This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So Gary Rowett returned to the Bet365 once again and managed to do something he didn't do often enough when he was in the home dugout, went away with three points. Michael Stockley, how are you, mate? Um, yeah, I'm not too bad. I've just come back from the Shawshank Redemption at the Regent Theatre, mate, which um, unfortunately was disappointing. I love the film, but disappointing. Um, so I've, I've overall I've had a good day, but yeah, disappointing. <laughs> in so a number was- of ways. So yes, you've had a disappointing Stokes, disappointing day. You're having a good day at all, are you, mate? No. Good job what no, we did I, this I, morning. Save the day. Yes. Well, uh, we, we, yeah. It was. It was. A, it was a good recording with Eric on it. It was. <laughs> <laughs> um, getting into Millwall. So obviously we've got um, team news comes down. First thing I noticed: no Tyrese Campbell. So it looks yep. like his concussion thing. So obviously when he had to come off the other day. Um, because it looked like he was maybe knocked out cold for a couple of seconds, wasn't it? And that obviously looks like concussion protocols are now having to be followed with that. So um, I'm not sure on the, on the time frame for that, the date-wise, but he could possibly, I think he'll be six days, won't he, on Tuesday, so, or Tuesday will be the seventh day. So he may put him in a doubt for that um, if they are, if it is indeed that we've got to you know follow certain in uh, dates and protocols for that. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that. I think, um, if I remember rightly, and I'm going to have a big punt, I think the general median is around kind of, I think it's nine days to two weeks um, is generally the kind of protocol. So I don't know if that's guidance or whether that's officially you have to do as you're told. Um, I'd have to look it up, but yeah, it's not looking hopeful for Tuesday, which let's be honest, we need to uh, we need to have our strikers back. Not that we've got many quality ones as it is, but we, we certainly could do with a, a Tyrese Campbell quality. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was the same old story today, wasn't it? I mean, mm. we've, con- we've got out there to Millwall, we've conceded a goal yet again. In the you know first throws of the game, and we're one 0 down. We're leaving ourselves of a mountain to climb week after week after week. It happened. You know, what was it against against Luton? Was that like five minutes? Swansea two minutes, and then today I think what was it about six eight minutes something like that. You know, we you can't keep giving sides a one goal head start in this division. And expect to get things from the game. It's. I don't know what it is. Is it lack of concentration? There's. There's something wrong somewhere. I don't know why we haven't learned our lesson. It's not the first time, as you've just pointed out. What is it going to take for us to stop doing it? Because it's. It's not. Oh, it's just a bit of a fluke. You know, teams are, are coming on to us. You know, really strong for the first ten minutes, and it, there's. There's this. I don't know how even how to explain it, that there is an issue somewhere which is meaning we're not switching on. I can only imagine it's lack of concentration, which is ridiculous. Like, you should be switched on 90 minutes. So we need to learn our lesson and learn it quick because, yes, okay, we've won, what, five in 75 or five in 76 games uh, where we've gone behind. Um just because we've done it recently doesn't mean we're going to do it again. And as we proved today, um, teams will happily go one go one nil up and they'll just sit on it because they know that we are not capable of going and finishing at the other end. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing is, well, the three goals are actually quite similar. If you remember, the guy, the one at Luton came from midfield, didn't you, where the midfielder sort of drove forward, hit a shot from outside the box, bottom corner. Um, the goal against Swansea was again once it was came and just hit it so you know sort of driving forward but and hit it and then the goal today I mean he's picked it up inside his own half I mean I, to be fair pointing back I, a lot of referees would have given a foul on Ben Pearson in that in that instance there it was a bit of a 
it's a bit of a 50-50 ball, but I think he's he's caught Pearson as he's gone in for it. Um, so Pearson's down, sort of injured, but the ball's carried on. And he's running and running at Jagielka, who's backing off, backing off, backing off. And then I think Sarkic, he's just sort of lost his bearings a bit about where he is. So he's lost, he's lost like where he's going. He's too far over on the right-hand side. Say so Jagielka's backing off, backing off, and the player just uses Jagielka's body, just bends it, sees the big gap on the left-hand side of the goal, and just rolls it into the corner. Um, Sarkic dives across, but can't get far enough across, like say his position, just in question there. But, but then, same as it always is, from that point onwards, all we do is attack, 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 attack. But... Now, well, yeah, the goalkeeper, we're not making goalkeepers have worldly games here. They're just not, you know, we're having all the possession, all the territory. We're pushing on, pushing on. But actually, we're not we're not testing goalkeepers enough. Um, no. And I mean, a lot of that, I mean, Dwight Gale, let, let's be honest, Dwight Gale could have had a hat-trick in the first half today. He's, you know, he's had one way he's completely flo- uh, missed the ball because he's he's what seven six seven yards out. The ball's floated over the top to him. He's beat the offside trap. There he is. All he's got to do is literally just pick his spot. He's only got the keeper to beat. The ball's dropping, and instead he's tried to like you know take the leather off it and it completely missed the ball altogether. I mean, you do you didn't need to try and hit it that hard. You didn't need to break the net from there, do you? You just look, no. look where the keeper is and just you know, guide it in. Um, Clearly, a, a lack of confidence with Gale, but yeah, I thought, he's, I not, he's not he's not helping is. himself. He's not helping himself. No, like, and and as as much as the guy's running around and putting the effort in, that gets to a point where it's like, mate, this isn't good enough anymore. Like we've some people mentioned it today afterwards, and I I totally agree with it, and think we've called this out intermittently since he left. But Tyreek Fosu was an attacking left-sided player that could easily have replaced Dwight Gale. He would do the running round. He had attacking prowess. He might not have scored loads of goals, but we wouldn't have needed, you know, wouldn't have needed to. He's at least an outlet. Now we're, we're stuck with a Dwight Gale playing on the left-hand side of a three because we've got nobody else. Although people will say, where's Nathan Lowe? And we'll get onto that. But like well, Gale needs to either start scoring or he needs to be replaced by somebody. Well, I mean, he's played down the middle um, in the last few games, hasn't he? And he's not—he's getting chances, so he's just not taking them. I mean, if there's anything that you thought Dwight Gale was about, it was giving the supply and he'll finish. Um, I mean, we, yeah. we did have the ball in the net today. Then we were—he got through um, again. It was Gale one on one with the keeper. He's hit it again, and then to be fair to him, he's made a good connection with it. Um, and you know, he's probably thought as the ball's left his foot, he's probably thought that's in the back of the net. But the keeper is, is sort of the you know, he's sort of just hit the keeper. I don't think he's to be fair to how close he was. I don't think he could, he's made himself big and just it's hit him. And obviously the rebound has then fallen to Brown, who's tapped it in, but Brown's in an offside position. Flag goes up. That was just our luck again today, wasn't it? Because obviously, if the ball rebounds back to Dwight Gale, he's got to tap into an open goal, <laughs> but he doesn't. He you know a few yards to the side of him, and there, and and it's Jacob Brown who's who's in an offside position. So, like I say, we, we there's plenty of huff and puff there. There was he had numerous chances, um, but he's got to start putting these away now. He just needs to relax. Um, even that that goal off his backside obviously done nothing to his for his for that for him to relax and that. Um, no, uh, he obviously needs one where he actually you know maybe he needs a someone he's put a ball through to him twenty yards out runs on takes a couple of touches looks at the keeper and slots it past him and maybe then maybe then all of a sudden the goal you know the floodgates will just open with him uh, could just possibly be that but if he doesn't get the longer he goes on now I think the closer we get to the end of the season, he's not going to get himself enough credit in the bank, have enough time to get himself credit with Alex Neil, I think, before the season, the end of the season comes. And, and Neil, I mean, Neil's talked again in his um, post-match about he's not got a target, man. He's not, they've not got a focal point to hit up front um, to where he they can make that. it stick. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, he sort of said, you know, he wanted to give Tesgal a few minutes, didn't he? And and he didn't want, bring, he didn't bring a striker in because he was looking at, um, you know, using the second half of this season to maybe to try and develop Tesgal to to give him more of an idea about next season. But 
Um, obviously, like I say, come the summer, it looks like he's going to be looking for a big strapping centre forward. Um, I mean, obviously, he works with him at Sunderland and he with Ross Stewart. So we'll see how he. Uh, I mean, possibly could even could even be him. He could be after. Well, it was we're after him, and guess what? He's injured. So what's going to happen? Stoke will sign him because he's injured. Like <laughs> you, you know, it's coming. We cannot sign a player that hasn't been crogged for six months. Like that is just us all over. And when I looked at the stats today, I don't know if you've seen the possession stats and all that, but you're right. In terms of like dominating performances, right? So here we go: fifteen shots to their seven, three on target to their one. Which I mean, Christ, three shots on target to to you know to fifteen. It's not 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 great, is it? Um, seventy-two percent possession, <laughs> five hundred and fifty-five passes to their two hundred and thirty. The passing accuracy is better, seventy-nine percent to their forty-eight. Like it's it's poor to say the least. It's poor. Um, you can dominate a game, and the amount of times this season that we've been actually when we've won games, we've actually had less possession and won. And we've said this a few times. It's 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 just. Again, it's deflating. I mean, wh- wh- where exactly do we kind of go from here then, Dan? Because, uh, like I say, we've had, what, loads of possession. We've had loads of shots, uh, loads of passes, good passing accuracy. We're putting all the pressure on, but we're not scoring goals. And there's no transfer window between now and the end of the season. Um, I think we are in the territory of we will survive because there are three worst teams and for no other reason. So is is it about time that... You know, Alex Neal does what he said he was going to do and gives youth a chance in terms of Nathan Lowe or Tez Gallif is fit because Nathan Lowe once again has not made it onto the pitch and he brings on bloody Thompson, who is clearly one of the best strikers we must have ever had um, because he clearly thought he could make a difference. So what do we do? Well, I'll be honest with you. You know me. I always look for the positive, don't I? I was... Mm-hmm. I wasn't happy that he didn't bring low on today. I'm not far from happy at all. I think he should, you know, that game was crying out for an, another, you know, strike up front with about 15, 20 minutes to go. He should have been putting him on. No, no, I mean, when he put Klukas and Baker on, yeah, I understand Klukas, Baker, the two midfielders with goals and then we took Gale off. Why he couldn't at that point have taken, um, I don't know, even a Josh Loren off? Who, yeah, he's in good form, but yeah, you, you mix it up. It's whatever you're doing isn't working. You try to mix it. You should have, t- you know, Baker, Baker on for Loren, um, Kukas on for um, just Salina um, or whoever, you know, and then and then um, obviously you could have brought Low on there, couldn't you, for Gale? Well, instead he brought Kukas on for Gale. And I'd give him 20 minutes. Like I say, Gale wasn't, he was just not his day, which it seems to be quite often in front of goal. Um, we were we were lacking on, off the ball, don't get me wrong. I mean, against Swansea, we really praised him, didn't we, for the pressing and everything. And, did, you know, the pressing off the ball again, they, you know, they, they did well. But Millwall were, Millwall weren't going to mess around like Swansea were. You know, you, you know this. They, they know going into this game that Gary Rowett's side are not going to be passing anybody. 10, 15 passes round about a four, are they? Trying to, you know, the, the again, you've just seen there, 48% pass, uh, success rate. That's because they're very direct. They get the ball, you know, from the, from the defence to the attacking areas quickly and then they try and play it from there, don't they? So that's why there's a lot of passes going straight from them because they'll, um, they're playing high risk sort of over the top passes. So, but we pressed where we could. But what, what was disappointing was when we had the ball, we were trying to get it into dangerous areas. I mean, timing did well for me when he came on. I think Lucas did well um, as well. You know, he was lively compared to what we saw pre-injury to him. Um, but let's like say time is getting the ball. He's trying to put crosses in. He's, he's looking for a thing, and there's no movement in the in the in the forward line. There's no energy there from them. There's there's no, you know, they're not creating space for other people or getting themselves into dangerous areas. They were just sort of walk, walking around. And that's all of them. That's Brown, that's um, Brown, Gale, uh, Celine. I don't think had a great game either. So, yeah, it was very disappointing, really, like I say. Low, even if just the energy of youth should have come on. Well, I say, as for bringing Jordan Thompson on for 
with five minutes to go, even if you're taking Pearson off as a midfielder, you one nil down, you've got yeah. them on the back. You've got them on the back foot. They've been on the back foot for eighty minutes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they hadn't created anything since they scored, and uh, even that was probably down more to to the defensive area, wasn't it, and letting them run at you. Um, so you know the creation near enough nothing all afternoon. Take Pearson off, yeah, and it may as well chuck a striker on at that point. You know, what's Jordan Thompson going to do? But yeah, like the point I was originally going to make before I went on that rant uh, was another rant actually. I am very positive usually. I try to look the best in things and think of you know why things have happened and what we can take from it. But for me today, that even there's just that five minutes there, Jordan Thompson. Again, I don't, I just don't think he's up to it. I do not think he's up to it anymore. As I think in the summer, he he's one that needs to go. Well, yeah, I mean, hopefully we can trust Alex Neal to to bring the right people in. I mean, he's he, again, we're going to be in a scenario here, a bit like kind of O'Neill. He's going to have a chance to sign his players, and he better get it right because the fans will be on his back very happily, very early. If he starts badly, we're going to be in a Michael O'Neill situation where he's going to get seven, eight, ten games. And if we're in yeah. that bottom half, game over. Uh, there's the amount of clear out we're going to have. We're going to get probably, if you look at that team, you know, I don't know how many of them are going to sign permanently. Ben Pearson, you think, Will Sarkic, maybe. Um, <laughs> but across that back line, Fox surely will be replaced. Jaggy Alka will retire. Um, Twanzibi will go back. We've then got Wilmot who will stay right back. Sterling, he'll probably go back. Um, midfield, Loren will probably stay. Uh, Baker will stay. But, you know, again, there's several players. Smallbone will probably go back. Dry Southampton will get relegated and it'll be the new Messiah for them. Um, <laughs> Gale will go. Tyrese will probably stay. Brown, I don't think he's guaranteed to stay, if I'm honest with you. He's another, he's disappointed me this season. I think after last season, I thought he really kicked on. But he's not. He's gone backwards again. And for me, I mean, he's had a couple of injuries. So, yeah, you know, I'm not saying they'll get rid of Brown at all. But I think next season, he needs to refine last season's form. He can't afford to have another season like this season again for me. No, no, he can't. He can't. Um, yeah, now we, I mean, now we've depressed people enough. Uh, <laughs> it's, it was nice. We'll, we'll end on a positive. It was nice to see Josh Tyler and Sam Lucas. I mean, we mentioned them earlier on. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see them both back on the bench and both getting some minutes and actually looking half useful. As obviously, we know Josh Tyler's quite useful whenever he plays these days, isn't he? But um, yeah, even Sam Lucas looked a bit like he had a bit of the bit between his teeth, shall we say. He was happy to be out there, which I don't think has always been the case in the last 12, 18 months. Well, I don't think Lucas is good enough. I've I've not thought that for a while. Uh, The fact that he's had so long out and gets in ahead of, as as we were saying, a striker which needed in low... um, I I don't know. I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm in that scenario with just whatever. (laughs) <laughs> whatever same old same old you know Stoke get get your hopes built up in the week with a 3-1 comprehensive win come back down to earth with a 1-0 loss and yes it's Millwall they aren't a bad team but as we've said several times it's not necessarily that you know you expect to win every game you just expect to find some bloody consistency and win more than one game at a time would be great it's just deflating up and down up and down in terms of your emotions every week it's just it's just tiresome, it really is. I well, I even forgot to do a man of the match poll after the game, so there's not even that to come to now. Okay, um, well, you can be who? Do, okay, you are the deciding vote, then, here, mate. Who was the man of the match? We'll we'll pretend we've done one. You are the you are the you you are the public. Give give it give us your thoughts. Um. I would, it was a tough one, because nobody actually, I didn't think anyone played really badly as such, but there was nobody who really shone. Um, I would say Sterling. Sterling was my man of the match. Okay, he gets the uh, he gets the point then, so uh, <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Um, but yes, I, shall, I tell you what, shall we move into Brian, because we've actually got a special guest joining us now, haven't we? Yes, go on then. Let's let's, let's go into so, that. Yeah. Hopefully, be a bit more, uh, a bit more happier. Hopefully. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna move into Brighton now. But um, 
stay with us, folks, because there's a, yeah, as we just said there, well, we're going to tease you and uh, let you find out after this advert. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, so looking ahead to the crunch tie versus Brighton. Uh, Dan, let's kick off with a normal route, mate. Where are we in terms of stats? So, if you look at the head-to-head record, it's quite a positive one for Stoke. So, 41 previous encounters, uh, 16 wins for the Potters, 16 draws, just the nine defeats. At home, we've met 21 times. Uh, we've come out on top on 10 occasions with eight draws and just the three defeats. Um, and those three defeats were actually quite a while ago. So we've only lost once in the last um, 37 years. So that's 18 games uh, against Brighton. And that was in 2001. And we're actually unbeaten at home versus Brighton since 1961, which is 17 home games. Um, wow. There is one previous cup fixture versus Brighton, which was a 3-0 home win in 2011, obviously on our way to our one and only FA Cup final. So could be an omen for that. Um, but yes, it could could also be an omen that actually this could be the end of the road. So, <laughs> so <laughs> Kieran Maguire, welcome to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Um what are your thoughts after reading that? Were you, were you aware that they've not been a very happy hunting ground for, for Brighton? Yeah, I've been to <clears throat> I've been to Stoke on many, many an occasion, and, and I can't remember any good results. Uh, the, the occasional draw. Um, I remember celebrating a nil-nil once as if we'd won won the Champions League. So uh, it, <laughs> it's never been somewhere that's been successful for us. Yeah, I think um, don't, there's nothing to worry about your end, though, because at this group of Stoke players, we are record breakers. Only last week did we lose at Blackpool for the first time since 1964. So these these lads are rec- breaking records all the time. <laughs> we Our last cup match against the side in a, in a lower division, which we were expected to win, was against Charlton just after uh, McAllister had won the World Cup, as, as we now claim, of course. Um <clears throat> And we got knocked out, uh, so we're we're not we're not confident. Um, on our day, we we can challenge everybody, but that uh, those it's it's typical of a of a side in the Premier League. You know from your times yourself, you you can't work out from match to match how you're going to perform. Well, you said on your day, mate, you did win 5-1 at Middlesbrough, which for how good um, Middlesbrough are, that's not a bad scoreline. Yeah, yeah, fair cop. Yeah, we we were on fire that day, um, but uh, for every every defeat of Liverpool and Manchester United, there's there, there's a, a disappointing result as well, uh, and and that's the inconsistency. It's it's a very young side um, with, uh, with with a lot to learn, but uh, it, it should it should be a good game, yeah, because we we do play very attacking football under Deserby. That that's very noticeable these days. I was going to say, I mean, how how do you think your season's gone? Because obviously, you know, I mean, as an outsider, right? So I look at Brighton and if I, I mean, I always try and bring it back to Stoke wherever I can. So I remember Stoke were looked at once as, you know, the, the club's model and they're doing everything right. But from an outsider's perspective, Brighton seemed to be that club. You know, you, you're doing well with, you know, the youth. You're sitting above Chelsea and Liverpool. I mean, it's never a bad place to be if you're above them. Um, you must be pretty happy with how it's going, though. Yes, if you think that we've um, we've lost our player of the season from last year, our top goal scorer from last year, our top goal scorer this year when he left, our manager who then took seven members of staff with him, and then we had Chelsea trying to undermine our 
best player of the season to date. Um, to be, you know, we're what we're seventh in the Premier League. Yeah, we've scored more goals, I think, since the World Cup than any other Premier League club or something daft like that. Um, it, we're still sort of scratching our heads, but there there is a strategy, there is a process, and, and whilst it sounds extremely dull, um, our, our owner has has a plan and. Whilst it's taken time, uh, and you know, we we spent a few years initially in the Premier League trying to come to terms with the Premier League. the The strategy is is starting starting to reap rewards, uh, especially in terms of recruitment. We've we've sort of we initially signed those players to try to keep us in the Premier League, and now they're signing players, especially young ones, who who can hopefully just sort of nudge us a bit further up the table and and make us a uh, a a good team to watch. You know, it's not as if we're grinding out results, but be uh, a team that, that nobody thinks is going to be a walkover. Whereas when we when we did start in the Premier League, we, we it was a case of you were playing Liverpool, you were playing Manchester City, and every anything better than a three 0 defeat was counted as a moral victory. Where where would you say is a? I mean, obviously, again, you're right. You're sitting in seventh. I mean, every club has a ceiling, if you like. So do you? Brighton, to me, actually don't feel like you've hit that ceiling yet. So where where do you see as a realistic kind of position for you in terms of the Premier League, Kieran? Um, realistically, you know, Chelsea have spent £600 million and they're below us. But that's go- that, at some point it's going to click. Liverpool, I, I know they got absolutely tated by Real Madrid. But you still look at the fact that they've got... Uh, yeah, they've got Salah. Nunes is starting to 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 pay. They, the Jota's coming back. Um, yeah, they, they've got a frightening array of talent. Uh, it's just not playing particularly as a team yet. So, I, I think we if if we got if we went from ninth last season to eighth, that would actually be a huge uh, endorsement of the way we are going. Um, I think we we could perhaps get ahead of Newcastle. Newcastle have spent money, but. They're starting to draw games a lot rather than win. Um, so, you know, it, it, an exceptional season would be sixth. Um, a very good season would be seventh. Um, a decent target would be eighth. And uh, I've got to also say anything that's 17th or above is still always acceptable. But do you think you got to the point, though, that, that Stoke did when all of a sudden your fans become a bit complacent and, you know, all of a sudden ninth isn't good enough anymore. I mean, I know you said well, 17th and above is good, but Stoke fans were moaning about being ninth at one point, so... Yes, yeah, and, and I mean, to be fair, we actually talk about this on, on the Brighton forums. You know, let, let's let's enjoy this and remember Stoke and also remember Charlton because Charlton went through a couple of seasons when they were in a similar position to you guys um, and the comments was, well, we need to push on, but you you, you can't push on. U- ultimately, footballism is 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 no longer a competitive sport. It, it's a monetary activity, and you know, given the job that I do, the the numbers clearly point out that if you've got more money, you will finish in, in an appropriate position, pretty closely linked to your to your total spend. In terms of wages and transfers, Brighton are—they're never going to be more than a, a bottom six team in terms of budget. So we might be able to get a few places above that on a few occasions. But if any of our fans start whinging that we should be challenging for the top top six, um, I, th- I think they just need to be given a bit of a slap. <laughs> I think it's funny what you said earlier on about you've got a plan—a plan from the ownership and a plan. Um, obviously right the way through the management and the playing style and, and the recruitment. And it's funny because that's sort of what's been thrown at the Stoke owners in that for all their um, funding and, and open checkbook and, yeah, you know, you can have whatever you want, whatever we are allowed to spend, we will. The fact of that is that the sort of flip-flop between managers and from one end of the scale to the other and then... So the manager, the incoming manager gets a squad of players who doesn't suit his style. 
and then he gets sacked seven, eight months later, and they get a new manager in, and they go completely another way again. And he, and then by the, in the end of it, within about Michael O'Neill ended up with about six different managers, players, and probably looked at him and was like, "Well, I probably want about four of these if I'm oh. honest." <laughs> and I think, like you say, that clear style of well, when if a manager leaves or a head coach, you bring in a similar style of manager slash head coach and the players and the recruitment are all brought in the same way, then I think Brighton are showing the rewards of that, aren't they? And like I say, the, the, that is the way to notice that punch above your weight, if you like. Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. I mean, what, what you've got to have is everybody rowing in the same direction. So the owner and the chief executive work extremely well together. Um, the chief, Paul Barber as a chief executive is, is absolutely brilliant. You, know, you, you, you can write him an email at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night when you're totally hacked off. You know, just got, you just got back from a 3-0 defeat somewhere up north and, and you're steaming and you, you'll fire off a grumpy email and then you wake up the following morning and, he, and, he's, and he's replied. And not only he's replied, he's not as a thank you for your email. You, you'll, get, you'll get a thousand words. Um, he's, he's quite legendary uh, in terms of... Uh, his his commitment, um, and and he he is he he is a bigger asset to the club than, than Graham Potter was, and I'm I'm a huge Graham Potter fan. Um, they, you, you mentioned sort of manager stroke head coach. Well, at Brighton, it's head coach. Um, you know, there, there's a director of football. There is a culture in the club in terms of this is the style of football that we are going to play. Therefore, we want a manager who is in alignment with that style of football. The the whole of the youth set up, the academy set off, which is now starting to to reap rewards. You know, we, we've seen some of our former young players either they, they've been in the first team for quite a few years or, or they're just breaking through. Um, and, and there's a lot of excitement about them. Um, and, and they know that regardless of who the head coach is going to be, what they learned to eight and 11 and 14 and 16 is going to be applied um, should they break into the first team. Um, and, and that that consistency um, in, in the short term, and, and you, you mentioned if you change managers every seven to eight months, that's that's just a recipe for throwing money away. But in football, that is part of football culture. You know, we have transfer junkies and we have manager junkies in the game um in in certain fan bases and all they want to do is either spend more money without actually thinking about coordinating that spend or if you lose three or four matches getting on the back of 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 the 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 uh, either the owner or or the coach under graham potter last season we went through a run of we we run we won three matches in 25 in the premier league and we still finished ninth but, he, but so if that had happened to any other club, Potter would have been out. But there was never any indication of that from, from our fan base. Um, and there was certainly any no pressure um, from from the owner. It, one thing that you did pick up on that you mentioned at the very beginning was around the kind of finances, Kieran, obviously, of things like you know the FA Cup. I mean, from a financial perspective, I guess it really means nothing to Brighton, does it? This this draw. I mean, you know, we. I think you. I think you lot have sold around four and a half thousand tickets. I think it is. So you pretty much sold out the entire way end. But you know, there's kids for a quid. I think going on and bits like that. I mean, I guess from a financial perspective, it's a drop in the ocean to Brighton. I imagine. Um, it it, it won't be sig- significant. Um, in, in the sense that. Uh, the the gate receipts after after you deduct the the costs incurred by Stoke, the the gate receipts are effectively split between the two teams, and Stoke mm-hmm. Stoke also has to go and pay our travelling expenses. So, um, but the FA I think the FA takes five or ten percent, and then it's it's forty five percent per per team. Um, the, the the pricing of tickets I think has got to be applauded. Um, yeah, you know, let's let's not pretend. You know, we're Brighton Hove Albion. You know, if 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 Stoke had got a home draw to Liverpool or Chelsea or Manchester United, you, we wouldn't be paying. You know, was it eleven quid a ticket, twelve quid a ticket? Yeah. Um, so I, I think both both clubs have to agree on ticket prices, and I think they both worn their grown up pants with regards to this. Acknowledge that you know for Stoke fans, it's it's the last day of the month. People have. 
you know, even if they have just been paid, they, they're still conscious that they've got more, you know, they've got the rent and the mortgage and and the utility bills going out of their account the following day. So, so people have to to mind the pennies. From our point of view, it's it's a long drive. It's live on television. Um, but by pricing the way that they have done, you know, we, we have got a decent turnout uh, it, it turn, turning up and, and everybody's looking forward to it. Um, so th- th- it won't be lucrative. You don't get a lot of money from from the Football Association itself. But if you finish, if, if we finish seventh instead of eighth, that's worth two and a half million pounds to us in, in terms of additional Premier League prize money. and potentially it could get us into the Europa Conference as well. And whilst the likes of Chelsea and Manchester United sneer at being in the Europa Conference, um, if if it does, if we get there, I'm going to see if I can take three months off work at the start of next season because I want to go to Albania on, on a Thursday night. It, <laughs> I'll be honest, it, it would be one of the, the greatest things that's ever happened to me. And I, 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 the last thing I want is work saying, oh, we, we want you teaching on a Thursday or a Friday. So, yeah, I've already I've already had that awkward discussion with my wife. Yeah, the chances are it'll, it'll all go wrong and we'll finish, you know, 12th or something like that. But at present, um, it, it's it's really exciting. So you're absolutely yeah. right. The FA Cup is is not lucrative for Premier League clubs. I think if you win it, you get about two million quid when you fall in love with the game when you you football is all about romance it is all about when looking forward to the fixtures coming out and 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 the first day of the season when when everybody is equal and and you still you still hope for and after three matches you know it's the the usual old rubbish um yeah the fa cup still for me the fa cup third round draw i still get giddy about and i'm in my 60s and uh it's the monetary issue shouldn't be of over concern and you know given that both brighton and stoke are owned by people from a gambling background who have been very successful um i think we're both very fortunate in having owners who who have sort of taken away the stresses of money that we've seen at clubs like derby and wigan and bolton and you know the tragic demise of berry and macclesfield and you know what we could be losing south end united next next wednesday yeah and, and I, I totally agree with you around the whole the fa cup draw and stuff like that as well because i mean when we got and it, this probably says a lot about brighton right but you know we, we got the draw and everyone was like oh well it was good while it lasted like it it shows how far Brighton have come and how far Stoke have dropped. But everyone, you're right, looks forward to the FA Cup draw, and um, it's got something that the League Cup or whatever the hell they call it these days um, has lost. Uh, I mean, it's it's become a bit of a joke of a of a tournament. But yeah, the FA Cup's still there, and um, you know, you mentioned around you know things like you know Roberto and obviously the difference with Graham Potter and stuff like that. I mean. Do you think he's likely to make many changes for this game, Kieran? Because I was looking back through the the team against you know Middlesbrough and uh, I can't remember who it was who else it was. Now it's Liverpool, I think. You, you play quite a strong team, I think, in the cup anyway. It doesn't seem to drop many players from what I've seen, and I'm no I'm no expert on Brighton's team, but it seems like he's still playing a quite strong team. Yes, yeah, I, I think the the only sort of guaranteed change is that he's said to that the backup keeper Jason Steele is that you are my cup goalkeeper. Um, and and I think that's that's quite good. It's not only he said it, but he's kept his word. You know, you, you sometimes see clubs who say that they'll do that, and then they get a big draw, and all of a sudden everything goes out the window. Um, but I think Steele will start. Other than that, I, I think we will put out a a pretty full strength team. Um, I, I'd expect Dunk to captain the team. Um, I'd, I'd expect Estupian, who's who's been an absolutely brilliant left back for us. Um, he he came off on Saturday with, with he was just a, with a bit of a tight hamstring, so I'm not sure that he will play. But if so, Tarek Lamptey will go to left back. You'll have the two normal centre halves, um, midfield. The you know, we we've got Kaishado who threw his toys out of the pram a few <laughs> weeks ago. Well, you know, we, we, he isn't going to be with us at the start of next season. So we might as well play him as much as we can. Um, McAllister is almost certain to start. And, and then we've got the two wingers who who are really at our strength. So I'd expect them to start as well. So, yeah, I, it will be 
a, a pretty poor strength side. And remember, we've not got a game this weekend either because we're supposed to be playing Newcastle. Yes. And and of course, um, they're in the uh, they're they're in the Carabao Cup final. Uh, I mean, we've still got some big players out. I mean, Adam Lalana, who's been magnificent for us this season. Um, you you realize sometimes it's a, a player who who's you know gone past his peak at a big club comes down to you and you think well you know is is he just picking up a decent wedge here and and he was a bit injury prone in his first couple of seasons but this season he started off fully fit and, and then you realised why he was England's player of the season a few years ago um, he's just one of those players that sees sees everything else sort of two seconds before the rest of the team. Um, and, and he's got such a good touch as well. But sadly, I think he's, he's probably played his last match for us this season. Uh, he's out of contract. I, I know I think the Kep club are quite keen to have him on because yeah, if, if, if De Zerbi gets the amount of attention that he's starting to get, I could easily see him going to Milan or Juventus or somewhere like that. Um, and I think Lalana is somebody that the club has an eye on in terms of developing um, as uh, as a coach. Well, I'm not going to lie. I'm very glad he's not going to be playing against us, to be honest, Kieran. But he, he, I feel like he's been in the game for about 300 years, Lalana. Like, he burst onto the scene so early, didn't he? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, glad he's, uh, I'm glad he's not going to be playing. Okay, interesting. Well, I was going to ask you which ones to look out for, but I think you just answered that one. So um, I guess one final question uh, before we let you go. What score prediction are you going for? It sounds like you're a bit confident here, Kieran. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you're going to go for a, a Brighton win? I'm, I'm going for a draw, and then it goes to penalties, and we lose Ooh. on penalties. Oh, lose on... Pe- wow. <laughs> hey, Dan, did you hear that? Someone's gone and predicted their own team to lose. Oh, you've not seen Brighton take penalties. Right, have you seen Stoke? We could be in for a long night. If get- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the the, F, the 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 actual got to get extension on the TV rights for that evening. Uh, we're now going into the fifteenth penalty of the night. Oh, fantastic! It's like right, okay. It'll be Louis Baker scores. Everybody else misses. Comes back round to Louis Baker scoring. Everyone else will miss. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we aren't any good either. It's going to be a long one, but um. But yeah, no, Kieran, th- thank you for, for running through that. We genuinely could keep you for a long, long time. Um, so thank you for talking everything Brighton with us, mate. Thank you very much for the invite, guys. And uh, uh, whatever the result, let's hope we all we all we all enjoy it. We're in we're both in the fifth round of the FA Cup, and that's what we should be celebrating. It could be a lot yes. worse. There's only yeah. sixteen teams left, and we're two on. So, and uh, yes, best of luck. I hope you do get into Europe because our season in Europe is still reminisced about even now into amongst the Stoke fans and that still the trips to Kiev to um, split Valencia Besiktas a lot so yeah it was um, it was a wonderful season that was and plenty of memories for a lot of people so Mike the ref the ref is Darren Bond so Anthony Taylor's the fourth official. I looked up at all that and went maybe we get a nice high-profile Premier League referee. Went over these championship ones. Well, Darren Bond is a championship ref. <laughs> Twenty-six okay. games this season. Twenty-two of them are in the championship. He's produced 111 yellow cards. <laughs> wow. Two, two reds, one penalty. Uh, his 26 games have had 16 home wins, just four away wins, and six draws. So he's a, definitely a homer. Oh, this guy! I think that's that's the biggest home to away win ratio I've seen. Four to one. This guy, this is the one we want. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's ref Stoke ten times. He's given us nineteen yellows, no reds, uh, no penalties. Four is one penalty against. We've won three, drew one, lost six. Um, he's only refereed Brighton five times, uh, giving them nine yellows, one red. He's given them one penalty and we've won penalty against them. They've won twice, drew twice, lost once. But he's refed neither of the sides this season. So it's been a while since he's refed either of these teams. Um, would you like to know the FA Cup records for both sides around sort of round five kind of games? Yeah, I think we've got a decent record up until recent years, I think. So, yeah, go on. Well, Stoke have lost their last two round five matches, which was in 2015 and 2022. But this is their eighth round five tie in 20 years, uh, which is because we've won three and lost four. 
But before that, we'd only had two in the previous 30 years. So actually, we're in a bit of a good run in the, in the FA Cup, in, for our history anyway. It's only the second back-to-back journey to round five, shall we say, in the last 50 years. Uh, the last one's been 2010, 11 and 12. Yeah, with the uh, obviously when we got to the final in the middle of two quarterfinals, mm-hmm. uh, and those three plus nineteen seventy one and seventy two when we reached the semi final twice, are the only five quarterfinals we've beat, we've reached since nineteen thirty four. So they wow. all, so those five years there, the only five times we've got to the quarterfinals in that since nineteen thirty four. Brighton, like Stoke, have no FA Cup wins. Uh, and one runner-up, which theirs was in 1983. This is their second round five appearance in three years, and their fourth in the last six. Um, they've won two and lost one of those uh, previous three. And it's actually their seventh in 13 years, so they really are one of the form teams, aren't they? Like, really, when you think about it, you wouldn't expect them to be that, to have that many trips into the latter, latter stages of this competition. Um, but before that, you have to go back to the mid-80s when they reached it three times in four years. Uh, they got the final in 83, the quarter-final in 84, and round five in 85. But they've only won four of 13 previous round five matches, uh, which were in 83, 86, 2018, 2019. So, yeah, so they don't generally. They get to the round five 13 times. They've only got past it four on four occasions. So... We've got a couple of things there that might fall into our favour if history's on our side. Um, however, we have lost our last seven ties versus Premier League sides. Do you know the last Premier League team we beat in the FA Cup? It was Bolton when Bolton. we beat them 5-0 in the semi-final. That was the last time we beat a Premier League side in the FA Cup. Oh, God, of course they were Premier League then, weren't they? Jesus, yeah. okay. Um, the last round five tie at home... Uh, we won in the cup was in that year. It was a 3 0 home win against Brighton. Mm. So that was the last time we played at home in round five. So the omens are there 3 0 on Tuesday. And then there we are. We're going all the way to runner up. <laughs> It'll be the biggest shock in the world, mate, if we get anywhere near. <laughs> um, now, how about this one? Stoke's last victory over a Premier League club when the when Stoke were outside the top division. So, actually, when I say Premier League club, Stoke's last victory against a top-flight team when Stoke were outside the top flight. Yeah? Mm-hmm. How long? How far back do you think we have to go? Ooh, a long way. Uh, oh, go on, yeah. Because you won't, you won't know this. I well, I, I didn't know it. <laughs> 1962. Oh, God. Okay. Was the last time that we were outside the top division and managed to beat a top flight side. Uh, we beat Leicester 5 2 in a third round replay at home. Since then, we've played, we've, since then, when we've been outside the top league, we've had 13 matches against top division teams and um, not managed to win any of them. Uh, I'm going to move on to my team now, mate, and then we'll wrap this up. Bottom's obviously got to play in goal, Lancy. Unfortunately, so I think I'm going to go back to about five for this one. So I'm going to go Sterling on the right, Tymon on the left, uh, Wilmot, Jagielka and Fox. Uh, I'm going to have Pearson in front of the defence. I'm going to have Loren and Baker um, in front of him. And I'm going to have Brown with Smallbone playing off him. I think we Brighton are going to want to keep the ball and we're going to need to press. And I think um, Smallbone... If we can play him and Brown, I think he's he, Baker gives us the extra protection in midfield, and Smallbone gives us the energy up front as well. Don't he? His, his game's all about you know um, pressing and harassing. So I think him and Brown will do a great job as a front two for this match. And I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Then Baker will score, and then I think we maybe lose it in extra time. I thought it goes to penalties uh, instead of extra time. Oh, if it goes straight to penalties, then... I think uh, round five, yeah. Then tie, uh, we'll flip a coin and um, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to win on penalties then. If it goes to penalties, <laughs> then we'll win on penalties. Front of the moving end. Isn't that what um, Kieran 
Kieran just said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I've gone four four two just because I don't think we've got enough good strikers. I'm going to fit strikers for a start. Um, and I haven't really thought about this, so if I forget anyone who took cup tied, please, please tell me. Uh, so Bonham obviously in goal. With I mean, who else? Uh, Stilling on the right, Timon on the left, Wilmot and Taylor um, in the middle. Um, and then I'm going to uh, like I say again, we're struggling. We're going to wingers, but this is what I'd have. But I think he'll put Klukas on the left wing, Brown on the right wing, and then have Lorraine and Smallbone in the middle. With unfortunately Gale. And Nathan Lowe up front. Oh, getting a, a debut. It's well, debut. there's nobody else, isn't we? We haven't got any more strikers. We're going to have to go to the under-14s if we carry on like this. <laughs> yeah, very true. I mean, um, what's your what's your score prediction? Um, 2-0 to Brighton. Fantastic. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, they're, they're, they're a good side. They are um, a good side. They'll be a strong side. They will not be resting many players. Uh, As you said, they haven't had a game this weekend, so they'll, they'll be fresh. Yeah. And, oh, it's, it, well, and we're at home. It'll be an half-empty stadium. Um, They've got four and a half thousand fans. Yeah, I mean, how, how many more things do you want to go against us? <laughs> Hence the Stoke win. <laughs> uh, no, if, if if well, if we win, it won't be because we're great. It'll be because they're poor. I think. I think that uh, uh, you know this is what it's done to us. It's beaten us out of us all all, all these weeks. <laughs> Can you just please someone blow the full time whistle on this season, please? Well, I tell you what. I'll play the full time whistle on this podcast. We for, for this week, not full time. Sorry, you're gonna, have to, you're, gonna, you're gonna have to listen to us a bit it's more really, often. It's really damaged you if you're willing to just give up on the podcast straight away. <laughs> um, but yeah, whether, I mean, whether you're down the ground, uh, whether you're watching on ITV4, uh, as we make a debut on that station, quarter past seven Tuesday, let's uh, hope that we are. 90 minutes away from a Stoke victory. Eh? Up the Potters. Well, we can dream. Quarterfinals, here we come. Go on, Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.